Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Fantastic. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. We are kicking off a brand new series uh, in line with the season. This is a Christmas series that we're calling Wonderful. Somebody say Wonderful. Now notice the play on that word wonderful, full of wonder, and I I love it. We're going to talk about experiencing the fullness of Christmas this year. In Matthew chapter 2, if you're turning there, let me read this to you quickly. I came across this this week. I thought this would be helpful. Um, A man in Phoenix calls his son in New York the day before Christmas Eve, and he says, son, listen, I hate to ruin your day, but I got to tell you that your mother and I are divorcing. After 45 years of misery, enough is enough. His son says, Dad, wait a second, what are you talking about? He said, boy, we can't stand the sight of each other any longer. We're sick of each other. I'm sick of talking about this. So you call your sister in Chicago and tell her. And he hung up. Frantically, the son calls his sister who explodes on the phone. She says, there's no way. They're not getting divorced. I'll take care of this, she shouted. She hangs up up the phone and calls her dad immediately, and she screams, listen, you're not divorcing. Don't do a single thing until I get there. I'm calling my brother back. We'll both be there tomorrow. Until then, don't do a thing. She hangs up. Well, the old man turned to his wife, and he said, honey, it worked. They're both coming for Christmas, and they're paying their own way. Come on. I mean, no, mom and dad are not as dumb as you think we are. You know, the holidays, I don't know what goes in your mind or what kind of emotions that you feel when you step into the month of December. It's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, I love Christmas. How many of you love Christmas? I love everything about it. I love the season. I love the spirit. I love the energy. I love the activity. I love family. But sometimes there's a great deal of pressure that the holidays bring. Come on, nod your head if you're with me. Sometimes there's a lot of stress. Sometimes our schedules can be so full and so crazy. There there are presents to buy and parties to tend to and houses to clean and schedules to keep and kids to, to prepare for and all that's going on throughout the holidays, it can be full. And and the challenge in this series is to help us keep our hearts full. How do we stay focused on what really matters in a season that's so crazy? busy. This, this idea of wonderful means full of wonder. And my heart for you through this series, starting today, is that you would recapture something that might be lost. Sometimes you can lose the miracle and the meaning of Christmas in all of the activity. Can I have a good amen? I think there's some amazement, there's some wonder, there's some awe that God wants us to reclaim as it relates to the Christmas story. You know, you can either live one of two ways. You can either live as if nothing is a miracle, or you can live as if everything is a miracle. And sometimes looking through the eyes of a child, it helps you to recapture what you've lost. 
You know, I remember uh, several years ago when we took a, a trip as a family, our very first vacation where all of us flew on a plane together. Now, I traveled for a long time by myself. How many of you travel a lot? In and out of airports all the time, suitcases coming and going. I love to travel by myself, but it's different when you travel with your entire family. Man, I mean, I just felt stress jump on me, and I'm in the airport, man, I'm fighting crowds, and we're standing in line, and I'm trying to keep kids together and luggage all in one place and make sure we're where we're supposed to be, and by, by the time I get to the plane, I'm thinking, man, I got to stand in that line? You know, you get on the plane, you think, I got to sit in that seat? You know, they hand you pretzels, and you're like, I got to eat this food? I mean, I found myself just complaining about everything, and then I look at Trevor, man, he couldn't have been but three years old, and he's just like, Hi. <laughs> He thinks everybody in that line is there to see him. They're getting on the plane. He's like, hi, this is my first time of flying. Daddy, look, a tray table, a tray table, a tray table, a tray table. Look at this window shade. Look at this window shade. Oh, pretzels, peanuts, Dad. This is amazing. How many of you know that we can learn a thing or two from our children? Let me ask you this. How is your wow? I pray that when you go through Christmas this year, it's not just get through it. But it's wow. It's wonder. It's full of amazement. And we're going to look at the Christmas narrative and these devotionals that will kind of walk with us each and every day. I encourage you to step into every day with wonder and amazement. Today I want to talk to you about the wise men. I want to talk to you about these wise men. And the title of the message today is simply this, grateful, grateful. These men, we'll discover, were full of gratitude, and it produced something in them that all of us can learn from. Read with me, please, in Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 1. The Bible says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, and this is what they asked. Where is this newborn king of the Jews? For we saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. Verse 3, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. So he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law, and he asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? They told him in verse 5, well, in Bethlehem. In Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And they're quoting from Micah when they say this. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for this child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Can I have an amen for the reading of the word? Very familiar passage. We know about these wise men, but do we really? Who were they? Where did they come from? And why are they there? The Bible tells us, and scholars, they, they, they reveal to us that they came from the land of Babylon. They were men from the Far East. These men were astrologers, and they studied the stars. 
Um, in fact, they believe that your future could be told through the meaning that you discover in the sky. These were brilliant men. They were scholars. They understood religion and prophecy and scriptures. But they were men who were also magicians and sorcerers. And so they were involved in some dark stuff and some confusing stuff. Contrary to popular belief, they did not arrive at the manger scene. I know some of you in your homes and in your front yards have the manger scene with three wise men. It's okay. It's okay. Keep them there. But technically... Technically, they weren't there when Jesus was born. In fact, we'll we'll explain this in just a little bit, but they traveled a great distance over several months. Scholars believe sometimes that it may have been half a year that it took them to actually get there. And so, though we see wise men at the manger scene, technically they're not there in Scripture. This is about 18 months after Jesus was born. But their presence teaches all of us something about gratitude. I want you to notice what it says here in verse 9. After this interview, the wise men, they went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them right to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And look at verse 10. When they saw the star... They were filled with great joy. Something about that star. Now, notice the response of these wise men. I want to give you three simple things that I think can help all of us today. When we talk about being grateful, notice what they gave. Number one, first of all, they gave their attention. The Bible says that there was a star that was shining, and these men had studied the stars. And so right where they were looking, this star shows up, and it got their attention. Now hear me, church. I think this is so important as we step into the month of December because we live in a culture that is so commercialized when it comes to Christmas. Can I have a better amen? And thank God for all the activity, and I love it. I love everything about it. But if we're not careful, we'll be so distracted because of the commercialization of this holiday that we miss the meaning of it. Oh, and as believers, we got to be dialed in to the true meaning behind Christmas. And thank God for the parties and the food and the toys and the singing and all of the activities and the Christmas trees and and the stockings. I love it all. But please don't forget that the real meaning of Christmas is all about the birth of Christ. It's the presence of Jesus. And God used that star to get their attention. And I think God needs to get some of our attentions today. How many of you went out on Friday, this thing called Black Friday, how many of you went out and you you braved the crowds and you purchased a few things on Black Friday? Only two of you. How many of you got online and said, you know what, I'm going to figure this thing out and not even fight a crowd? Oh, yeah. You know what amazes me? People will stand in line for hours and tackle people and body slam people in order to get a sale on an item. But then they struggle to get out of bed on Sunday morning and come to church to get something that money can't buy. Now look, I'm not talking about any of you because y'all are here today. But do you see how sometimes we get this thing confused? The devil wants to distract us. Let me tell you, church, nothing sets value on a person more 
than paying attention to them. When you pay attention to someone, how many of you have little kids that they'll be talking to you, and if you're not looking at them, they will literally grab your face? Have you had children? Oh, yeah. Trevor will do that sometime. I'm like, son, I hear you. No, daddy, look at me. And he'll put his nose right up into my nose. When you notice something, when you notice someone, it sets value on them. R- Rachel, she'll, she'll get her hair did. And she won't tell me, but she'll just wait and see how long it takes for me to notice. Come on, ladies. How many of y'all do that to your man? Yeah, I'll come in, and, and she just won't say a word, and I have to look and be like, oh, I like it. I like the highlights. Ooh, I like the layers. I like the texture. It just looks so full and healthy. How many know she's trained me well? When you pay attention, it sets value. It says, you matter to me. I'm paying attention to you. You know, about six, seven years ago, I remember on a Wednesday night, we had a service. We called it a freedom service. And, uh, and we really challenged those that if you have an addiction or some sort of stronghold or bondage, come on this Wednesday night and we're going to do worship and we'll have specific prayer. Believe that God's going to set people free. And the place was packed and man, it was just a great night. And man, we sang and we lifted up the name of Jesus. And I preached for about 15, 20 minutes. And man, he that the son is set free is free indeed. And man, we were declaring things and man, altars were full. And man, you could just see things break, breaking off of people. So that was on a Wednesday night. Well, Thursday morning, I'm somewhere in the community, and a lady stopped me, and she said, oh, Pastor Mike, that service last night, it was amazing. Now, let me stop right here and say this. I was preparing for her to say something really complimentary about the sermon that I preached. I just knew she was going to talk about how powerful it was, how anointed I was, and how that revelation just really opened her. She said, Pastor Mike, last night was just so amazing. Were you there? (laughs) For real. She stopped mid-sentence and asked me if I was at church the night before. I'm like, I kind of preached. She's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, God, and so she goes on to tell me everything that God did in her life. And after that conversation, you know, I kind of had this internal, you know, dialogue with the Lord. And God was like, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, you tried to make that moment about you, didn't you? She didn't even remember you. But guess what? That moment wasn't about you. It was about me. And if she's noticing you, she can't pay attention to me. Come on, somebody. How many know God will get your attention? You see, sometimes we make the moment about ourselves and we miss what matters most. You see, when you're absorbed in your own stuff, think about this. Okay, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost now. Check this out. Herod was the king of the Jews. If anybody should have known Jewish law and prophecy, it should have been Herod. He had all of his scribes and his religious elite around him. And the prophets of old had already prophesied that one day from Bethlehem would arise a ruler. And yet here these guys are. Herod is clueless. You know why? Because he's stuck on himself. And when you make something about you, you're going to miss the greater meaning. Don't make Christmas about you. If you make it about something else, someone else, all of a sudden now you can discover true purpose. Can I have a good amen? 
the guys who were closest to it didn't even have a clue about it. Check this out. Jerusalem, that's where King Herod was and all of his entourage. The Bible says a Messiah would come from Bethlehem. Guess how far Bethlehem was from Jerusalem? Five miles. Five miles. That's like from here. That's crossing over Bayou Man Shack. Man, we go by Prairieville, Walmart. Come on, where you at, people? Where you at? Man, that's just like right down there by Sammy's. You know what I'm saying? I mean, from here to they were that close. Can I tell you this? You can be so close to it and so far from it. There's a danger between, you know, us being so familiar with the Christmas story. We're so familiar with church that we miss the miracle. But yet these guys, the wise men, the wise guys, they were from hundreds, maybe even thousands of miles away, so far away from it, but yet God put a star in the sky. Can I tell you this? God knows how to get your attention. God will use anything to get your attention. Sometimes God will use a close friend to get your attention. Sometimes God will use pain to get your attention. Sometimes God will use disappointment. Hello. Sometimes God will use your children. God will use a struggle, a battle, a challenge. God put that star in the sky, and that star began to shine, and that's what the wise men noticed. Are you catching this? You see, it's so important that we give God our attention. Don't get distracted. Don't become self-absorbed. Have you seen the, the kids that sing in the Christmas choir? And, and don't you love the little boy that's fidgety, the ADD all over the place guy? And he's just like, you know, he's up there. Man, you got paparazzi parents and grandparents everywhere. And this kid ain't interested in singing. He, hey, mom, dad, hi. And he's messing with the girl next to him. She's doing her best trying to sing. And, you know, and Scratchy, mama got me wearing this scratch. And he just, you know, and you're just kind of fascinated because he's everywhere, you know. Tone deaf when he sings, silent night. <laughs> you know, I think that kid represents all of us. You know, God's saying, hey, don't miss what I'm doing. Don't miss. You can be close to it, and you can still miss it. The Bible says, when they saw the star, they were filled with what? Joy. Hear me, church. What you focus on this Christmas will be the difference between joy and frustration. If you set your focus on the right things, on the right place, on the right purpose, joy is attached. There's a divine connection between our focus and the joy God wants to give us. See, sometimes we'll get so busy during the holiday season. Busy, 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 busy. False start. <laughs> we get, got so much going on. Can I tell you something about busyness? Listen to this. Listen to this. Boy, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. What the devil can't stop, he will accelerate. I'm a Christian, Mike. I'm in church. I understand the reason for the season is Jesus. Yeah, and then you'll shift gears and you'll get so busy that you'll race right past what God's trying to do. Busyness will produce barrenness. Don't get to the end of this year and feel empty in your soul. You've accomplished a lot, but you've experienced little. Oh, come on now. Come on, help me preach this. 
We're doing more, but experiencing less. Let me ask you this question. When it comes to your focus and your attention, what do you need to elevate? What do you need to eliminate? There are some of you that need to eliminate some things in your life because it's simply a distraction. The Bible says these wise men saw the star. They gave him their attention. Now notice the scripture says they traveled a great distance. And when you take a road trip, I mean, this is maybe six months they had been traveling. Oh, and by the way, it wasn't just three wise men. I know that's the manger scene kind of thing that we're, we're used to. No, no, no. Literally, there could have been hundreds of wise men. Now, there were three gifts, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But there was an entourage that came, so much so that Jerusalem was in an uproar. And the King Herod felt threatened. These men had traveled a great distance. How many of you, when you take a road trip, you got to stop somewhere? How many of you think that a good stop is Bucky's? Talk to me. Talk to me. How many of you have yet to experience the pure joy of Bucky's? Okay, listen. Okay, you need to to take a road trip, and you need to get some brisket from Bucky's. Look, for reals. Okay, Bucky's, for those of you that don't know, it's like an Exxon on steroids that married a Walmart and gave birth to Cracker Barrel. Right? Is that not Bucky's? Okay, now you know. So I'm like, man, write that down. We got to get to a Bucky's. When they had traveled such a great distance and for such a long time, what do you think they found? Check this out, verse 11. The Bible says they entered the house and they saw the child. Notice they didn't see the infant, they didn't see the baby. And notice it wasn't a manger or a stable, they're in a house now. They, saw, they entered the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and what did they do? They bowed down and worshiped him. Number one, they gave their attention, but number two, they gave their hearts. They gave their hearts. Interesting, the Bible says the very first thing they did was worship. Would you have been disappointed You were told that a king of the Jews, a Messiah, would be born and come from Bethlehem. Wouldn't you think they would have anticipated some throne, some crown, a scepter, something royal? All they see is a peasant parent in a cottage with a small child. But immediately the Bible says they worshiped. They never heard Jesus preach a message. They never saw Jesus perform a miracle, but they knew something sovereign was happening in this home. Can I tell you, we worship God not for what he does, but for who he is. It's it's his character. It's his nature. How many of you have just decided in your life that if God never did another thing for you, he's still good and worthy of your praise? Lord, if you never bless me again with anything else, you've already been better to me than I've been to myself. God, you are worthy. I worship you. That's what I love about this place. That's what I love about your spirit. You come in here on Sundays, and you're ready to get your praise on. You're not here to be entertained. You're here to to worship the one true living God. You're here to open up your heart. Now notice this, before they gave what was in their hand, 
they gave from their heart. We haven't even talked about their gifts yet. Can I tell you this? God is much more interested in what's in your heart than he is with what's in your hand. Sometimes, you know, people will, on the outside will look at the church and say, well, that church just wants money. They just want money. They just want money. No, no, no. Let me tell you about this church. This church is more interested in your heart than your pocketbook. It's okay. You can clap your hands if you want to. If God has your heart, then everything else belongs to him anyway. You tr- if you can trust God with your eternal salvation, you can trust him with your relationships, with your job, with your future, with your children, with your resource. Come on, somebody. The Bible says that they immediately worshiped him. Psalm 100, the scripture says this, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. You see what happens when you keep your eye on the star and you follow him to the very end, then you can trust him with what's on the other side of that star. I'm praying that God will use things in your life not only to get your attention, but to capture your heart. Man, as we go through Christmas this year, this will be the best Christmas we've ever experienced if we can surrender everything in our soul to him. Are you with me? You see, most people just want Jesus as a consultant. But they embrace Jesus as king. You are king of kings. You are Lord of... This is fascinating because these wise men had no religious orientation to the God of the Hebrews. But God was leading them through that star. And when they came face to face with the presence of the Almighty, they couldn't help but worship him. Don't make Christmas about gifts. Don't run straight to the gifts. First, take time to worship the gift giver. And let me wrap this up. Look at the last half of verse 11. The Bible says, then, everybody say then. Once they, they gave their attention and then they offered their hearts, then they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. The final thought I want to leave you with is this. Number three, they gave their best. You see, Lord, if you have my heart, man, then everything attached with it and to it belongs to you. And so I offer you my best. They didn't withhold anything, but they gave Jesus their best. Now, why is that so important? Think about this. The whole message of Christmas this year is about God stepping into your worst and giving you heaven's best. Aren't you glad that God didn't just send some broke down angel? Oh, look at the mess they got going on down there. Let's find one of those little half angels, kind of a fallen angel. No, no, no. He sent Jesus. Okay, how many know it doesn't get any better than Jesus? It's, it's heaven's best. Now, let me ask you this. What is your response to a God who at every moment in history, he's only given you heaven's best? What's your response to that? God, I want to give you my best. So guess what? As a husband, I bring my best into the marriage. And it's not necessarily because of my wife, but it's because of Jesus. I do it unto the Lord. As a father, I've got three kids. I got Eeny, Meeny, and Miney. Guess what? We ain't having no more. I give my kids my best. Why? Because they deserve it? No, because this is unto Jesus. 
When you go to work tomorrow morning after a long weekend, you've had some days off. Guess what? You don't bring in the Monday morning blues. You know why? You bring in your best because you're not working for a boss. You're doing it unto the Lord. Man, we're, we're college students. We're about to take some finals. Oh, how many know as long as there are tests, there will always be prayer in school? You better give your best, and it's not to please your parents, but you're doing it unto the Lord. Come on, somebody say excellence. Excellence. God deserves and he demands our best. Now, if you think about the gifts, and this is where it gets familiar. Let me wrap this up. The gifts, everybody knows the gifts. Gold, frankincense, and what? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now think about it. Think about it. How many's ever gotten a gift and you're like, oh wow, this is awesome. Thank you so much. And in your mind, you're already re-gifting that. I think this would be a great gift for the pastor. Uh, <laughs> gifts that just don't make sense, you know? Think about it. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Okay, this is a, a child that's maybe 18 months old. Gold, frankincense, and the gifts didn't really match the child unless in giving those gifts, God was trying to teach the whole world who this child was and what he would do. Think about gold. What's an 18-month-old going to do with gold? You see, Gold is the most precious of all metals. Gold signifies royalty and magic. That's the gift that's fit for a king. Gold says majesty. Frankincense was made from the gum from the resin of certain trees, and it was used in temple worship to the Lord. Frankincense is what they offered up to worship God. That's deity. If gold represents majesty, frankincense represents deity. And you know what myrrh was? Myrrh was an aloe that was used to anoint a body that had just died, preparing it for burial. Guess what? Jesus, one day, he would lay down his life. He would suffer and die as a human. Think about it. Majesty, Deity, humanity, gold, frankincense, myrrh. These gifts. Now, the wise men, did they have any clue the significance? Maybe so, maybe not. But I tell you what, 2,000 years later, you and I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that this was no ordinary child. This was God wrapped up in flesh. And you know what? He would come from heaven to earth and he would lay down his life and he would hang on a cross. He would suffer and bleed and die. But three days later, God would raise him from the dead. And that is the message of hope that every person needs to hear this Christmas. The best gift that you can receive at Christmas, it's not going to be found under a tree. It hung on a tree. And that's the gift that deserves our best. Lord, I give you my very best. Now, no, notice what it says here in verse 12. After they gave these gifts, the Bible says, when it was time to leave, 
they returned to their own country by another route. Guess what? They went a different way. They didn't go back. Herod said, hey, go find this child and come back and tell me so I can worship him too. Oh, no, no. Herod had no intention of worshiping this child. He wanted to kill it. He wanted to eliminate any threat to Herod's throne. And so that's why all these children were, were killed at the time of Christ. So guess what? The wise men said, we're not going back the way that we came. We're making a change. Boy, and I, I just sense the Holy Spirit stirring some of you today. He's saying, you know what? This Christmas doesn't need to be like other Christmases. You need to make a change. Something's got to be different. Don't go the way that you came. When you come face to face with Jesus, he'll change everything about you. He'll change the way that you think. He'll change your desires. He'll change your decisions. He'll change your relationships. He'll change your conversation. He'll change you from the inside out. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.